This is the Drew Spirience podcast, a show that's 80% combat sports and 20% everything else. Big one today. And been wanting to get him on for a while since uh, he's been on the scene now representing Kyokushin down, down under. He's my Commonwealth brother since Canada and Australia share a very uh, interesting historical relation. He's none other than uh, Sensei Patrick Pinto from the Kyokushin Shuffle. Us, Sensei, welcome. Us, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on. Well done to you and um, appreciate you, you know, making the time. Awesome. Can't wait to have a chat. <laughs> I've been so excited to have this happen. And uh, I love what you do. Like the way you present your show, I just wanted to say, um, so people see it like, this is what I love about what we do. Because some people say, you, it's because of you and guys like Pinto and Scott that are really representing Kyokushin. Yes. And I want to do that because BJJ gets enough recognition. Well, let's show Kyokushin has also probably the best community that's unheard of. So that's what I want to do. And I'm hoping tonight to, with uh, our conversation, we can really bring together more minds and uh, people from yeah, all indeed. across the world. Yeah, indeed, mate. Well done. And I, I look forward to it. Awesome. So, you know, um, uh, there's a lot we want to talk about, but as mentioned, uh, you're kind of on a very uh, strict time schedule and oh, it's yeah. understandable. So I've condensed it. So, uh, Sensei, tell us about your martial arts journey and why Kyokushin, considering Australia and New Zealand have mm. such a rich, you had so many options of Taekwondo and other styles of yeah. karate, kickboxing. So go, let's go into that. It, it, you know, it started with my older brother when I was a little kid, like four years old, and he got his first trophy as a karateka you know and i was five he was 12 and and i was shattered i didn't have a trophy you know and um those those bruce lee moments uh, along with my big brother you know meant the world to me because you know you just follow what the big bro does right and um but then i, I ventured into other sports and what was fortunate to play um representative basketball here in australia and uh from there I got to a point where, you know, you either make the pros or you don't to an extent. Um, and in my late teens, so I turned 40 this year when I was just about to turn 20, um, I was dabbling in some security uh, work, uh, you could say in the nightclub scene. And my best buddies, my senpais at that time and still at this time um, uh, from high school uh, said that their master was opening up their, their dojo and that master happened to be Xi'an Bill Polly who was under Shian Ahanchi Eddie Emin here in Australia um, and not knowing all that historical factor. But, um, you know, we got into uh, a little scuffle, you could say, back in our late teens with, with some um, unbeknown uh, idiots and um, my boys just represented and I was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to have to f suss this out. Uh, as you do, and um, but I, I was venturing off the basketball scene, and and was really looking forward to doing something for myself, if that made sense. Not you know, but still part of a team, still part of that environment, and and it wasn't about. I was never the student that, or the 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 pre-student that thought, um, oh, I know what Kyokushin is. I know I, I had nothing, I had nothing, nothing to do. I had no idea what 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 it was until I entered that dojo that day in uh, in two thousand. Yeah, I could definitely, I, I wanted to also say how you said you were like leaving, closing one chapter on sports. I was the same way. I used to play mm. uh, hockey because hockey is mm. Canada's national sport. Mm. And in uh, Australia, Australasia, it's, it's rugby, basketball. And I was leaving hockey. I mean, I, I had won like, uh, I mean, I wasn't ever going to mm. be pro, but I took my, uh, that, that sport seriously. You know, I won a lot of trophies. Uh, the teams we had were playing for cancer awareness. I always put together some of the best teams, but I had my foot nice. out the door because um, I watched um, 
Robbie Lawler versus Rory mm. McDonald too. And that's what got me into martial arts finally. And then I started with Taekwondo, but I felt it was very limiting. And I said, I always wanted to do Kyokushin because of Dolph Lundgren. He was always mm. my uh, action hero, you know, and there you have it. Yeah, and then 2016 made the jump, and uh, the rest is history. And uh, I think it's always fascinating hearing everyone has a has a story. And on the Kyokushin Shuffle, you know, highlighting the people uh, on that merit, I, I start in that manner too, like you do, with just a courtesy of like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, what? Why? Some people, 50 years, 30, 20, 10, two years, five years, irrelevant. Everyone's got a beautiful story or something that, that makes that uh, path. And it's, um, it brings a smile to everyone's faces, doesn't it? Because some can relate to it and some kind of go, oh, right. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, like, I mean, I'm sure you have your reasons to being a teacher for me. I was recently on a hiatus of uh, fighting because, I, I mean, my coach, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't want to boost his ego, but he did the best thing that ever happened. When I won my last trophy in 2019, I wasn't working in a good job with benefits. And he's like, I want you to take a break until you get into a job with health benefits if you get hurt. Mm. So when mm. I got into one of uh, the job I have now, it's one of Canada's biggest phone companies I work for with benefits. Uh, last night, I put the post up. Hey, as Michael Jordan says, I'm back. I have the green light. Mm. And when we go back to some form of normalcy, I have a reason to fight. Um, and you said, it's that storyline. You know, I have someone dear to me who's terminally ill right now. And if they can do what they're doing to keep fighting every day, I mean, I want to fight for them. And uh, also yeah. uh, for also children who are on, who are on the spectrum. Cause uh, we have a mutual friend, shout out to Mel Noble who works with the uh, autistic Oops. children. Us, oh, yeah, she was, uh, she, I really wanted to give her a shout out. And mm. um, I'm also on the spectrum. I was telling her and mildly, you, know, you can't tell. And I want to be a representative to special needs kids. Oh, and, yeah. It's a powerful thing when you know your why, brother. And when you know your why, uh, get out of the way. And um, well done to you. Thank you. And, you know, I really want to just say, you know, I love how you do the show. I know I said it at the beginning, but I mean, mm. um, I also want to give a shout out. I want to also ask you, mm. why is it that has Australasia, New Zealand and Australia such a rich history in kickboxing? Yeah, I, I like Because here's why. Israel Adesanya was on Joe Rogan's show. And uh, City Kickboxing, Eugene Behrman, maybe you know him or heard of him. He said, mm -hmm. he, he said there's a history to why you guys are so rich in kickboxing history. No, and no one really knows about it. So I want I to hear it in your words. Why is it that tradition so rich? You know, my, my take on it is via my Xi'an and via the, the, the history of speaking to people um, over the last 20 years of combat here in Australia. We've got a strong history because from the mid nineties. And again, for anyone that's watching this pre pre the nineties, yep, there, there is, there is a building of it. You know, there's a building of the foundation, but it all uh, triggered nicely with the makings of Stan, the man Longanides, who became 10 time, 11 time world kickboxing champion. And, 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 and from then you, you grew into a, a lad called Sam slam and Greco. And then you win, you continue on and get the likes of John Wayne Parr, 10-time world champion again in Muay Thai slash kickboxing. Then you produce another lad called Nathan Carnage Corbett and 10-time world, you know, the, just massive, massive figures in the combat scene in Australia that continued. There was not like there was no gap and the flow of it and the promotion cards here in Australia are sensational. You know, very professionally run, uh, good promoters with good intentions as such. Um, you know, where my where my dojo is here in Melbourne, I'm affiliate a part of uh, Hammer's Gym, and Hammer has 
uh, Mark Castanini is his name, and he's been a part of Combat Sports on Fox Sports. So he he was a an integral part of putting Fox uh, the the Fox Sports card on pay per, on pay TV. You know the subscription model here in the '90s and 2000s, and from that we produced a lad called Michael Chavello, the Voice. You know uh, who does one championship and just one. Congratulations to the voice. He just won uh, best broadcaster again. In uh, you know, so we've got all these personalities and figures. Um, and then on top of that, I was fortunate to work for a company called Blitz Publication, and that publication um, produced Blitz Martial Arts, which is a very very popular martial art magazine in the eighties, nineties, and early two thousands. And then that also produced a, a, a magazine called International Kickboxer. So all of a sudden, the, the scene becomes so um, dominant because you have uh, all these, these type of platforms that have allowed these figures to be shown to the public and, you know, recognised like, you know, idols as such. So from my take, that's, that's a flow of it in a, in a, in a nice, uh, easy way of putting it together. Um, and then... Uh, and then let, let's, you know, from a kickboxing angle, then put a circle around that and then talk all martial arts. And then you've got uh, the likes of, you know, professional movie actors that we had here, you know, that Richard Norton, um, who just broke into Jackie Chan movies and his best mates with Chuck Norris. And I had him on the shuffle, meaning, you know, just a representation of, you know, that scene, uh, movies and, and those uh, types of, you know, angles. And then it goes into, like I said, and it just kept, it's just unbelievable history here in Australia. It's really unheard of. And that's why I wanted to really bring, bring it out because I was talking with um, some other uh, Australian practitioners that fought that we have mutual followers. Um, of one of them is uh, he's followed on one Kyokushin. He's coming up. His name is Nas. Um, his name is Nasser. Kasab, guys, you want to look at, yeah, his technique. Oh my God, guys, go on one Kyokushin, look up Nasser Kasab, up and comer. What, and what have you, and apparently you guys know each other. Like he says, he doesn't. Oh, very much. Yeah. 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 What do you think he has that makes him so, that's going to make him successful? Oh, okay. So NASA, NASA's, uh, one, he's our top top Australian young talent by far, by far. Two-time Australian champion, uh, Kyokushin uh, under, you know, the guidance of um, Xian Maria and Peter Rich and then under Xian Judd Reed of late and now trains with Nick Curra. Again, that's another personality figure that uh, highlighted in kickboxing as well, who was in Ong Bak um, and played one of the scenes there. So, uh, you know, uh, NASA has uh, exceptional um uh, uh, brains you know he's very smart he's very intellectually smart combat wise weight and then you complement that with his skills and then you complement it with the people that are around him hey you got a sweet package and 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 he is you know next world champ there's no doubt about it so what what is 21 2021 you know just, and for us raw yeah, and for us here, you know, he has the a beautiful gift of Kyokushin. He's a showdown in Kyokushin. Then he's trained with uh, the likes of Nick Kara and Xian Jad Reid, who have complemented that discipline and etiquette of, of, of the karateka into now, you know, putting a nice little bow around striking to the face and complementing all his uh, arsenals and his assets. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's fantastic. Definitely one of the brighter futures. And... Uh, when, and when it comes to that, like, do you, do you believe now with like technology, because think of what you do and what I do, do you mm. think eventually we could see Ky- Kyokushin have kind of like a renaissance be- with like in leagues such as glory kickboxing, 
um, karate combat, because here's something I'm going to tell you. Karate combat mm. does not have a single Kyokushin practitioner. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a farce. It's my opinion. Mm. And, um, mm. you know, Nero, right? You know, Nero, the guy on Nero mm. MMA, yeah. he was offered a contract and they mm. didn't sign him for whatever reason. And I just think if we open that floodgate, we know what's going to happen when Kyokushin comes into karate combat. Yeah. Not to sound biased. No. No, no, no. This is why it's awesome to chat like this. And this is what's needed, you know, opinions and thoughts and, um, you know, views. Um, because the platforms that we have had in the past have been far and few, you know, and that was a big push as, as to why I started the shuffle and, and what you're doing now, you know, having a chat with a lad in, in Australia, you're on the top of the planet or I'm on the bottom of the planet. You know, I just, I think that's unbelievable and, and awesome, you know, and, and just to share that on that level, you know, how our, my Xi'an and, and his Xi'an, you know, to, to keep the relationships with their um, peers in the in the 80s 90s and they all had to just fly to Japan or meet in Canada or meet in Japan and um, you know that was their form of communication now we can send a send a zoom link and a Skype link and, and it's one click right and it's unbelievable so we got to take that more of, to an advantage but from what you mentioned um, karate combat uh, glory and, and those things you know it's a it's a beautiful topic to discuss in all positive ways right and that's that's how I see things with where we're at and my generation as such and, and the likes of, you know, um, Shian Terry Burkett, Darren Stringer, Wesley Jensen, those lads from those different continents who are pushing, who are putting, them. who are oh, indeed, you know, and putting them and many more Shian Tenel in Spain. I can go on for hours. Right. And so could you, but what I'm getting at is everyone now is, uh, taking the risk or taking the, 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 um, initiative to put themselves out there. You know, for, for, for certain years, uh, you know, let's say, let's say 10 years uh, until YouTube had its, had its way of communicating and people understanding it, and now Zoom with, with due to COVID and so on, we all know how to work these things, you know, or our generation. I mean, you wait till you start getting a hold of some of the, the respectfully, the older Shians who are like never touched a computer, don't know how to turn Zoom on, wouldn't know how, you know, and you're just there and you've got to help them. You know, a lot of my time is spent helping these masters, um, you know, just, just to, you know, gently take the next step. So we have these platforms now. So to, to get to this uh, karate combat in, into this, let's, let's use the word for argument's sake, this sport way of looking at it, entertainment way of looking at it with UFC, well, glory and so on. We got we to gotta, we gotta step up. It's, I, think, I think it's we, we in Kyokushin have to step up. We as in, we say we're the strongest karate. We say we're the strongest in full contact karate. And whether things are holding us back, organizations and things like that, of course, you know, we don't know the back end of it. But either way, either way, we all have to step up. We, you know, when Sosai was in the picture in the mid early, you know, in all those years, 70s, 80s, 90s, he pushed everyone. He made everyone meet up to his level. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, if he sat here, then everyone stays there. But he kept going. And going and going. And, you know, you talk to, you know, the Xi'an Cameron Quinn, for example, who, who was the translator for Society and, and he's, he's here in the Gold Coast in Australia. You know, everything he says is just another level and another level for what Society was always preaching. So if you weren't willing to, you know, expand this or do this or be that next world, you know, he's saying was via even Xi'an Jad Reed and, and, and these, these lads that have won world tournaments is to now complement it with a hundred man kumite. You know, those feats and you know, were at the forefront 
of those fighters. Where it's at the forefront of Fulio Globe, Nicholas Pettis, these absolute legends. Because look at the level they were at com- compared to, and I'm not disowning anyone, I'm trying to keep everything positive here, is if we're missing something in those uh, sectors or in those avenues, we all have to put our hand up and go, yeah, well, who's stepping up? That's how I say it. Same. I think you and I are, I think, and you know, I just want to say it. I mean, based on, it's only like 10 minutes I've spoken to you and I already feel like you and I are going to really have like a good friendship after this. Cause I love the, the relationships I formed, whether it's with Darren Stringer, Wesley Jensen, and now you, like, I already feel already Pat's my guy. And uh, I mean, you're, you're my Commonwealth, you're my Commonwealth cousin, man, you know, Australia, <sighs> Canada. Um, I also want to ask you, I have a story for you. Cause Shoot. you said Globe Feitoza. So what if mm-hmm. I told you that my coach almost fought Globe Feitoza in Brazil? back in 2014 mm. came mm. out of retirement for our last hurrah so of sorts and you know how mm. brackets work so he was on the same bus as globe and some people said and you know when i told the story some have said well globe is a monster i said well my coach is also a pretty big guy too and that's the one fight i wish we could have got because that would have been canada it would have been and i'm i'm relating mm. it to mma here so this analogy is i would relate it to the John Jones versus Vitor Belfort because it was the past. We know Globe's name, how much le- how much mm-hmm. uh, impact he carries. And then we have my coach who in Canada, his name's Mohamed Chik, for those who want to follow him, Momo Kyoku won. Uh, Mo almost fought him, and it's the fight I wish we could have got. Oh. I think it would have been great. I mean, what's your take on Globe? Because he was coming up in your era too. Uh, look, you know, you, I, I'm from, my parents are from Chile. And really? I, I speak, yeah, so I speak Spanish. I'm, I'm purebred Aussie uh, to an extent. But yeah. um, so, so what, I, what I can relate to is the South American flavor, if that makes sense. So uh, I have that in my blood via Chile. And then obviously Brazil's next door to Chile and Argentina and so on. And my point to that is, yeah, I kept a close eye on, 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 the, on, on the cousins uh, across the ditch, if you, if you get what I mean. But um, with Globe, uh, and, though, and, and again, anyone in that era, it was, uh, you know, they set the scene. Again, go back to standards or go back to whatever you want to see it. You know, they had such a powerful organisation. You had a beautiful circuit of tournaments going through, um, you know, and uh, it all it all equaled out. And then you get the likes of, you know, Ichigeki who produced these K1 lads. And again, another cool circuit and another focus and attention and you continue to just raise the standards and lift that level up. So when you've got the gift of Globe Filio and these legends, uh, and then they can continue doing this as a profession full time, well, there you have it. There you have it. You know, you get you get beautiful, beautiful. Um, you know, everything. It's crazy how like he basically perfected the question mark kick for Kyokushin, and he's like a big guy, and you look at him. And it's like a guy that big, how does he do that mm. kick? And it's like, the, it's just, it's art. It's art. You watch, there's a video of Globe Fetosa highlights. I encourage everyone to watch it. If you want to learn how to do a mm. Mashoi Gary, that, I, I always mispronounce the kick. I haven't, I've been on a hiatus, but that That's question mark kick is. Yeah. Art, art. Um, another question I have for you is, because sure. I wanted to ask this, what is now MMA is also growing in Australia. And mm. what has that been like with the guys like Robert Whitaker, Megan Anderson, Tai Tuivasa, and Israel Adesanya? Right now, who is do you feel is leading the scene in Australian combat sports for you guys? 
it's a yeah, good point, you know, and you're covering some good stuff here from all levels because it uh, typifies where Australia, we kind of get seen as the lads down there, down under, right? Um, you know, with only 25 million people here, you know, and just in Victoria, Melbourne alone, we were allowed MMA UFC in the cage in 2017. Okay, I hope that kind of I hope that kind of registers in people's heads. Prior to that, it was in a boxing ring, right? So now here we have the biggest card in the UFC history at that time, where we got uh, Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm to fight it out, and and devastatingly, Holly Holm does a Jordan Mawashigeri uh, in a striker's level and knocks out the best female fighter at that time. So. Two, two months, three months, six months prior to 2017, it is against all means that it should be here in Melbourne, Australia. You know, the public here were uh, at that against it heavily. Government, you name it, get it out of here. It's, 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 it shouldn't even be here. In come all the ex, ex you know, uh, legends, pioneers, the ones that are at the forefront and having to switch, turn the language, I call it, switch the language around. Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. There is so much more that this gives to the community. There is so much more. And we, we slowly started to balance out the language of the negative to the positive. And then from 2017, it opened, it just, you know, that, that, that event just went unbelievable and the regulation of a cage was allowed. So now we got the flavor and the hype and the and the stick, you know that that awesome momentum of uh, gyms here in Australia slash academies, uh, dojos and so forth that can now complement their um, kickboxing with an area for MMA, can complement their BJJ area with MMA, can complement uh, karate, you know, and these smart uh, entrepreneurs, business operators started to understand, well, yeah, obviously that's, you know, that's a part where it's heading. Um, and then, then it's kind of like, okay, who's going to coach everyone? You know, we kind of didn't have that level. But in answering that part, I wanted to give everyone an, idea, an indication of it's only been two or three popular years, you know, at its peak. And now we've got Volkanovsky, champion, Rob Whittaker, champion. You know, uh, it, you know, we've had a taste of so many Aussies. Uh, Jimmy Crute having a crack, who's Sam Greco's student. Jake Matthews, who's, you know, we've got names. And, 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 and prior to that, Kyle, you know, really cool guys that were paving the way nicely for us, but couldn't even train in a cage here. So they were training with Jackson Winkle, you know, Kyle Noak and those types of uh, guys prior to. So point is, you know, uh, you know, Volkanovsky can walk down Sydney, Melbourne, go, go to the shop, no problem. I guarantee you 99% of the people here in Australia wouldn't even know who he is. You know, if he bumped into me, I'd go, oh, hold on a sec. That's a champ. It's a UFC champ. Uh, Rob Whittaker, I'll give him, you know, respectfully. This is all respectfully because I, I know who they are. But again, you know, you could, you know, my, my best mate's Joe Ingles from the NBA, right? He plays for the Utah Jazz. Now, I take him to the Aussie Rules football game and he's six foot eight. Yep, he stands out. Oh, yep, that's him. Hey, I take a, a combat athlete out with me. They don't know. They, people don't know what's going on. You know, it's, it's very raw. It's still very raw. Still in that infancy because it's only, it's only 25, it's only 27 years ago. And uh, here's a fun fact for you. The first ever UFC, not many people know this. The first ever fight wasn't Roy Hoist Gracie. It was uh, Gerard Gardot, Kyokushin with Savat, but he said he was Savat versus Taylor Tuli. But it was a nice homage to Kyokushin. I think people should know Indeed. that. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, and you know, and, and you just raising it again. You know, this is part of why we do these chats and have these shows. And, and you're on, you're on to really good things here, mate. Because it's, it's, you know, it's reminding people, or it's just, you know, giving everyone uh, a window to kind of go, oh, that, yeah, right. Is that true? Is it, you know? And and had he had won, you know, who could, you know, back to the, well, would it have been as big as what jujitsu was uh, when when Hoist did what he did, you know? And you can play that game, you know. Well, imagine he he had won or had done a mawashi or just continued on with all those beautiful striking techniques. And um, and back then there was no rules, hey. So it was some pretty brutal stuff. Oh, it was uh, the first UFC was like a it was like a train wreck. You know, no one knew what was going on. It was like watching blood sport without with like in real yeah. life. And 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 I think one documentary people should watch with that is the ESPN 30 for 30. You should try to find it, Chuck and Tito, because we all look at Conor McGregor. We all look at Izzy Adesanya, mm-hmm. Volkanovsky, Khabib. But if you want to understand where MMA got, everyone, I've said it again, please take the time to look at that Chuck and Tito because it explains how the Iceman came up and how Tito Ortiz came up and why they were so important in that early stage of like the early 2000s. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, MMA here, buddy, is um, is 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 we aren't we're not even scratching the surface, mate. Uh, we're going to continue to produce, and I say we combat wise, we're going to continue to produce absolute weapons because we have just started to gain more knowledge. And 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 this season, if I can just share it on my podcast, I'm focusing more on coaches. You know, so um, I've been blessed and fortunate to have shared. Uh, last year's episodes with students, teachers and masters around certain areas and I'll continue to do that like you are but the coaching wise here because now our pedigree um, has has grown immensely that those coaches now have been previously in UFC contracted by UFC or contracted in one championship or Sam Greco now um, who was in uh, Pride and all those you know massive things he's now coaching so those lads are slowly you know turning their students into um, some some un- unbelievable talent. Yeah, totally. I think you're doing a great job when I saw that because it's easy to talk to the fighter, but let's talk to the brains, the architecture, the Ooh. artist. Who's the one that's making that that's making that fighter get to where he is? It's always the strategy. It's it's a game of chess, and you want the chess players to to hear what they have to say. Well, my passion is coaching. Now, you know, 20 years in Kyokushin, and 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 when when I got my third down in 2017. You know, I, w- I stopped fighting in 2016 and I went on a 16-year straight competition. You know, I, I just had the right body. I had the right mindset. I had the right everything working for me, my coach, my team. And, and I didn't stop until 2016. And that was gonna, it was my third world tournament. And, and I was kind of like a wild card uh, in the Sokyuk Shin World Tournament there. Um, and uh, I was training one of, uh, one of my guys and, and a female fighter. And I was just spent. I, I got them through their first round or two and I was thinking, you know, positively, I'm fine, I'm good, I'll be fine. And then I had my second child come through during that period and it was just, you know, very, very busy times. But my point to it was I, I knew I was going to transition to coaching with my basketball pedigree and, and my mentors as co- my mentors are still uh, coaching as such in professionally in the leagues and I keep very close to them because of that relationship. And I just love that even with my Shian today, you know, we're on a more of a coaching level than a, than a student teacher level where we're trying to build. And so from there, you know, and, and sport here in Melbourne, 
um, is very uh, Melbourne slash Australia even is huge in regards to football, rugby, um, the team orientated sports, and the coaches are former greats of the game and former this of the game. And um, and in in martial arts, I was like, hold on a minute, we've got that too. Again, another scenario where we've got to lift our level, raise our standards, get them uh, out there, and highlight them um, as much as we can. And and the passion of Coaching for me is, again, that side of what Kyokushin and martial arts, uh, again, you know, you've got so much. And they say, you know, when you get into a second or third dan or even above for those out there, you've got so much to offer. You've got so much to offer. And, and if you're holding it back, you, detri- you know, it's a detriment because I think of what Sosai was doing. Straight away, I think of what Sosai was doing. He was sharing Kyokushin and building more and more and more people to put it out there, to get it out there, to lift the level, raise the standards, all the above, you know. Uchi deshis, uh, go and build your branch over in, in this territory, this country. I mean, phenomenal stuff, right? And to do that, the ownership and accountability and sacrifices not, were not just in a fighting means, was in a, shit, I've got 30 students, 50 students, 100 students to be responsible of now. Oh, not only that, you know, 10% of them, 10% of them are fighters. The other 90%, maybe another 10 might be in kata or 15. But then there's traditionally, well, you know, I can't talk on behalf of all other dojos, I shouldn't be, but not all, you know, 50 students in my dojo across kids and adults, 10%, 10%, 10 you know, I've got 10 fighters. Three of them are at the elite, brown and above, top in Australia, and then four to seven, uh, you know, the white belt, blue belt, yellow belt, green belt. And that passion of mine and knowing how to transition these lads from, you know, uh, and you can vouch for it, you walk into a dojo and then all of a sudden, six months into it, two two years into it, you're, you're bigger, you're stronger, you're mentally tougher. And now you've got to put it together in some way. Uh, I, I love that stuff. Oh, when I got my green belt, that was the greatest. So uh, when I got my, so I left my old school at a green belt because I have my reasons. So I have my tournament. So uh, they ask me, um, do you want to fight with your yellow belt or your green belt? And me, ready. I've been training for that tournament since January of 2019. 4 a.m. wake up, stair runs, you name it, weightlifting, going to my to see my coach for one-on-ones, getting the, the crap kicked out of me. He, uh, he's uh, – so I get – so they ask me, do you want to fight with your yellow belt or green belt? And I'm like, give me the green belt. I said, I want, I want to show that even though I got it, I said, give me the black belt, give me the brown belt. They said, I'm not, I said, I'm not going in there to, to make it easier. Sure. I said, I'm going to make it a war. And well one second place. And, you know, as mentioned, it's, it, was my, it was my most meaningful trophy because uh, we talk about using motivation mm. and why we have our why. And I was going mm. through, like, a lot of personal trauma at that point, like, yes. just, like, like depression and, and like some yes. very bad mental illness. And my coach after said, shout out to Mo. He's like, yo, he's like, you got to use yes. this as a platform. He's like, you've overcome so much. And that's when mm. I just started opening up about like everything, like, you know, being on the spectrum and, you know, okay. hiding it and how that self-destruction, I could go mm. on about it. But the point is, it's like, I want yeah. people when they hear this, if you have a student or anyone else, you know, who has students oh, yeah. who have like mental challenges, you can change you can use this to, as a tool to develop your potential it's not mm. to sound cliche look at me i have a podcast i'm able to oh, communicate no. you find it you find ways this is what i love about kyokushin you find who you are you really do yeah it's the ultimate truth and and again we got to put that at the forefront of people's minds you know and um uh you know i test the kids at four years old you know who's that gentleman up on the wall you know and and 
you know, some are looking at me and they got to figure, they got to understand this immediately. And, and even my Kohai, you know, my Xi'an and, and his Xi'an and um, that instills, you know, immediately, immediately the, the, the purpose they're here or the reason behind it. And um, yeah, there's heaps of factors, uh, you know, that um, support that. So well done to you on all that, mate. Well oh yeah. So I wanted to ask you, um, we have, we all have our favorite fighters in Kyokushin. So when you were growing up, like, you know, I, w- I would say MMA, but because this is a Kyokushin themed podcast, Horses. what, who are two of your favorite fighters to watch growing up in Kyokushin? Beautiful. Kazumi, Hajime Kazumi. Uh, we had, uh, I'm not, there's no way I'm comparing myself to him, but uh, the style was something that suited me perfectly. I'm um, 5'10", I was about 84, 85 kilos. Um, my hands were better than my legs and, and away we went. And luckily my master had been in, in those world tournaments where Kazumi was in them and, and, and all the above. And, you know, we, we got to work pretty quickly after about, uh, from about yellow green belt here in Australia, you progress after that into, you know, open for Brown and, um, you know, I was fortunate um, on that level that, you know, have a look at all the content that we can see of Hajime Kazumi now compared to maybe 2003 or four. Um, I mean, that's not a long time ago, but that's just showing, you know, it was very difficult to find that kind of stuff. And even when I went to Japan my first time in 04, you know, we bought a VHS of of Kazumi's, you know, and, and it costs a hundred Australian dollars, you know, not cheap at all. Yeah. So, you know, Kazumi definitely, you know, uh, I mean, you know, you deep down, you know, lost two world tournaments, uh, won a number of all Japan tournaments, but again, it's the style that I love the most. He's, he's abs. I call it fridge. He's just a fridge. You just no emotion. Um, and just hard as nails. And, um, he was fantastic there. And, and the next one, you know, you, you get a bit of Aussie flavor around it. You know, number two in a way, it, it, you know, we've all got uh, someone that may be the same type of height or level. But for me, it was, I, got, I started grasping off everyone. And, you know, I, I got to train with Xi'an Judd Reed in a way. My Xi'an had a massive influence. He was, you know, in the heavyweight, Judd's heavyweight. Gary O'Neill had his flavor of footwork. Wally Chanel Belt had his style of aggression. Uh, and they were way before, like, way before my time in a way. Um, you know, Judd and I were in the 08 Australian representative team, but he was, he was, you know, on another, on another level of, of his capacity. I was a rookie in that team. So from 08 to 216, you know, who you see all these different fighters and you start to understand more when you go to world tournaments and uh, World Cups and you know the only bit I never got to do was fight in Europe and 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 but I got to see them you know good friends with all the boys you were talking about earlier and, and many more I got to fight um, uh, Sensei Jonathan Tennell and he he was number two in the world he was twice runner up after Takuma Shian in the um, what whatever you know all these group uh, all Japan Union but I got to fight him in the second round and my point to that is. I hadn't had a European flavor in my fighting pedigree. Like I hadn't, and then until that tournament and that he showed me, he taught me another side of strength and power. So I grabbed off everyone and then he became a bit of my favorite fighter because I lost to him in the second round and it was just mm. by pure, pure just toughness. And then you train with Xi'an Judd who was just, when he was preparing for his 100-man kumite, 
in 2011. I watched that documentary. Oh my God, what a beautiful documentary. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, he's, you know, just, 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 uh, you know, t- touching him as such in regards to when he would hit, I was like, what is that? It was like an armor. To, he had muscle, then he had an armor of bot, like just of all the conditioning and, and work that he did. And you're like, oh my Lord. Then you, then you can spar with my, my Shian, who was, you know, mid 40s, late 50 or mid 50, uh, late 40s at the time. And he just focuses in on two Gidama washies on the spot, on your thigh. A cocky kid, you know, moving around during a grading and he just goes bang, bang, like two bites, shark bites, boom, boom, and you're done. You know, you can't move that leg for a week. And what I'm sharing with everyone is you can have, I, I've got a favorite, but then it just, I grab him off everyone. It's like that for me too. Like for me, my favorite fighter is a Brazilian Andrews Nakahara. Who, oh, uh, yeah, he was on my first show because I had another podcast, Beautiful. but then it burned out. And Andrews is such an inspiration to me because he's very tall, like me, 5'11", 6 foot, but he's very okay. like, he uses his leg kicks and I like using my leg kicks. So he's an yes. inspiration. And so shout out to Andrews Nakahara in Brazil yeah, doing cool amazing ass. things. And uh, I would have to say for others, yeah, it culminates, but I really like Sam Greco. Sam Greco is such, oh my, guy's a tank. Guy's like a, he's like a tank man, just fought the best of the best and now he's doing great in MMA. So yeah, that's some guy, that's another one that I'd really also love to uh, pick the brain mm. of like, and he's in, he's, mm. he's really a favorite of mine, but yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just so beautiful. It's art every, Oh, you might've heard of him. Darman Sadanoskov, the perm. He's no. from perm Russia. He's one of them Russians. Yeah. The, My coach uh, fought him and, uh, okay. and he said it was, uh, this was when it was under, he was under IKO uh, one and Dar- Darman was like the Robert Duran of Kyokushin, like hands of stone. See, like, yeah. I like, I like Tariel, Sensei Tariel. I can't pronounce his surname. I just call him. You know, he, yeah, he's Georgian. Okay. So he, he won the uh, IKO one and, um, you know, he was shorter than me, uh, strong as hell. Um, and just, you know, a great, a great uh, fighter as well. You know, I like that style as well. Very, very forward, under, aggressive, moving, in and out. Uh, didn't give an inch. Pressure, pressure, pressure. You know, there's all these different ways as well. Indeed. That's crazy. Yeah, I agree. So you've also written a book, and I really want to commend you on that. It's really good. And I mean, I haven't bought it, but I want to promote it because it's great what you're doing. You're just bringing it up. As we say, we're bringing the art up. And yeah. and uh, I know it's only an ebook. Is there going to be maybe a hard copy soon, or what's the plan for that? Yeah, no, no hard copy as yet, and that's there's no reason behind that. It was more just to continue the flow of what I'm doing and not hold things back and just go, you know like publishing and all these issues that you know that that come with it, amongst having a wife, three kids, two dojos, and uh, and all the above. So no, the ebook was easy, simple, um, amazing support. Thank you to all that have purchased it. It's you know. Um, um, on, a, on a website for all. And what it was is um, 13 questions I put together that of the guests that were on my show. And then I highlighted certain questions like, you know, what would, what's your favorite quote? What's your favorite book? Who would you have at your um, dinner party? What four martial artists would you have? And just so fascinating. Where would you be without martial arts? What would you tell a, a, an up and coming show, Dan? What's the best advice you you would give to and it and all these different people minds had um, amazing answers hundreds and hundreds of years of knowledge I knew that I couldn't capture it all in one hour podcast or etc um, but I had to try and find a way 
to continue the flow of others going, oh, wow, is that out there? So forever the student, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, and then, you know, next is going to be forever the coach. I love promoting what people do. I mean, there's enough success. There's enough slices of pie to go around. I live in abundance and, uh, and that's what I want to do. You know, like as mentioned, you know, like if people want to listen to your podcast from my show, please, you know, subscribe to the Kyokushin Shuffle. If, you know, people want to listen to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm always going to promote, you know, I like sharing. I mean, you know, you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, <clears> go together. Mm, yeah, yeah. And yeah, 100%, mate. Well done. Yeah, and, good uh, on you. I know you're, you're, you're short on time, but you know, wow, quality interview. I'm all right, with I'm all right for another, I'm all, I'm, all right for, I'm all right for another 10, buddy. All good. Oh, perfect. Excuse everyone out there. Just plenty on. Yeah. Okay. So perfect. So another, so one other thing is what's the plan for uh, Kyokushin shuffle? Like, where do you see it heading? Cause oh, it's kind one. of entered in the second phase now. It's like, you're really going like the stock market. Yeah, mate. Because Again, back to my why in it, you know, and I haven't openly shared this to many and I don't try to do it via my podcast, but, you know, times changed quickly here in Australia mid-March, you know, I was in Canada, brother, uh, in in March, I was in Vancouver with my family, Uh, we have family up there and we were in Portland, Oregon in February this year um and we have spent some time there with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and, and the, the kids and i and the three kids my beautiful wife we went up and um you know we had a great time and then we're starting to see toilet paper coming off uh shops <laughs> we're starting to see shit going everywhere and we're like what's going on back home this is chaos our stuff's happening i land back into melbourne mid-march uh, ready with a new job, new role, ready to go. And I was going to be starting two days later. And I'm a sales director in media advertising, uh, IT. And, you know, big responsibility and respect of, you know, in, in the city, an hour away from home, uh, back and forth, trying to continue everything, you know, sustain the livelihood of my family. And then um, I was doing, I was maybe up to 10 episodes of The Shuffle. And I was just, great. it was just a fun passion project, I called it. And, Lo and behold, uh, Melbourne is shut down and not, not in a, hey, just take it easy. You're shut down. You can't move for two weeks. So I've got three kids, six, three, or at the time, six, four, and one. And my wife uh, and I, no jobs. We're done. We have no income coming in. We had nothing happening. Uh, the dojo shut, which was a side, our side hobby passion on it. Um, we are, you know, in, uh, a part of... Um, uh, a, a network marketing business called Isogenics here in Australia and it's in Canada as well. And then all of a sudden, and the reason I bring that up is for anyone that's listening on that angle is because we were effed. We were down the bottom and, and, and coming off a X amount of dollars being spent in America and coming back. So we were told you're not allowed to move out of your homes and we're all going through it. And I, I bless everyone out there and keep hitting your heads up high and staying positive, but we couldn't move for nearly six months. And then it got to a point where we couldn't get out of, we could only move five kilometers out of our radius. And then it got to a point where you could only go to the shop one person out of the family. It was tough. 2020 was shit. And my point to it was the shuffle gave me therapeutic everything. I had someone to speak to. I could bounce off. I, my energy would come up and my beautiful wife supported me with it because I had nothing, you know, it was, we did not know what we could do. And the reason I bought Isogenics up is because now we've built our business into a company called uh, wellness movement 201. And we're helping, I'm helping sharing the nutritional side of what this company does 
because I now I'd have my fighters, my clients, my one-on-one clients and everyone taking these products without the shuffle, without wellness movement, which is our business via Isogenics. And now we help everyone around the world. I can help any dojo in, in, the, in the countries that we have across 20 countries. Canada is one of them. Um, and I can help your dojo build another form of revenue without having to have stock in here, without having to worry about invoicing and billing and all this. And it's been the best thing possible, the shuffle and the, and the wellness movement to an extent now where I'd, I'm not going back to work. It was bloody tough to tell my wife and we've had many discussions in going, am I going back to an X amount of figure income? No. So I've put everything into it, brother, towards the shuffle, the ebook. I've got an app coming out so people around the world can just subscribe per month and we can train together in a way. I've got training programs in there uh, complementing now your nutritional and your mindset on things. And it's so lucky, so blessed that in November, we were zero cases for uh, 20, 30 days and now away we go, dojo open and all these things and oh man. So the shuffle kept going. I, kept, I got to use it every week and then I was using the business to help promote it and sponsor it and give me again a little bit of, you know, of income. But now our business has just doubled because we're helping nearly over, we helped over 100 people with their weight transformation weight and all these above and then now we're going for 201 in 2021 and that's why now the shuffle near that block in the middle of the year late last year was something where I could go full steam ahead as I call it and then I sat over Christmas mate and and I thought I'm not sure if I'm going to keep doing it I'm going to share it with you yeah I'm sharing it with you now I said I'm not sure if I'll keep doing it I'm just I'm just you know in a bit of a you know, we're doing so well with other things. I wanted to open another dojo here in Melbourne, which I've done. And then I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then people were asking me, what are you, when's the next one? What's happening? So I gave three Christmas presents to people. Shion Cameron Quinn, Hunchy Tino Sobrano and Richard Norton, three massive figures in Australian martial arts and in the world. And I, boom, had a full stop to it. And then I thought, if people keep supporting me with the ebook and and liking that, then then that'll help me continue on and give me that, you know, and as you know, and to share it with others from another podcaster to this lad here, it's not as easy as, oh, Pat's there. Bang. Perfect. Oh, how's it going? You know, the, the text messaging, the, the time that you are, you're staying up late to, to help benefit me at this moment. And, um, you know, long story short, you know, the shuffle is going forward. We're going hard. Um, I'm going to get, and I'm going for the stars and I suggest you continue to do the same thing as well. You know, get as whoever you want and it's your thing and aim for the stars, mate, because if you aim for the stars, no, mate, keep going. You can keep going. You know, you can keep going. My, my dream guest is John right Bones Jones and someone laughed at me and I said, ha, nah, bullshit. <laughs> here's the best part. Okay. So I had some doubters Good in Kyokushin and I don't want to give that. Yeah. I'm not going to give them the shine. I'm a petty. I'm a bit of a petty guy when I say this, but yeah. I got some big names coming on when I get them on. Oh, it's going to be the biggest. It's going to be the biggest Fantastic. fuck you to the ones that yeah, said, yeah, yeah. oh, he couldn't do it. And they're going to ask, how you do know, you do what I want? Yeah. So yeah, that's so, why. You know, and, 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 and I get, I love your passion on it, but on that level as well, it's you, mate. It's yeah. you. It, what you're, what you're, you, know, you know, with me as well, I've got 50 emails coming through every fortnight, 20 every week. This person, this person, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And, 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 and in respect of that, go for what you're, what you're trying to do here, mate. Go for what you're trying to achieve. And, and if, you know, the rest are acknowledging it, fantastic. And the others that don't, you snooze, you lose. 
and and you know it's our Aussie way of putting it and um, you know keep going for it mate and and likewise with what I'm doing you know uh, you know I was you know same with you so you got John Bones Jones I want Jackson Winklejohn or I want John Kavanagh and you know those for us Sahabi um, you know give it you know even if it's five minutes but I'll continue to do that and again lift us lift the bar up and see how we go. Exactly, man. Honestly, you know what? I, I feel after tonight, like I feel like we kind of have like kind of like a bond from a distance. But, you know, listen, I'm coming to Australia someday soon. And uh, you come to Canada, you all, I'll tell you, if you come to Quebec, Montreal, Quebec, uh, the Kyokushin hotspot of GSP and whatnot, mm-hmm. I'll show you around. You have a, you're always welcome here with you and your family. And uh, let's do this again, man. And you know what? Um, next time, let's ha- try to bring on Mel because she wanted to really talk about like autism with like karate. But I said, look, let me get to break the ice with Patrick first just to make sure because I want to make sure we, we kind of get to know each other. But no, hey, no problem. Let's do this again, man, whether it's me and you or someone else. And uh, where can people connect with you? Because I want to make sure people can follow you. I appreciate it. Yeah, so mine's Instagram and Facebook. So at Sensei Pat Pinto, at Kumite Fit, or at the Kyokushin Shuffle and at the Kumite Martial Arts Academy. So they're my four babies as such. But um, yeah, you know, no problem at all. Um, anyone that's following uh, this show as well and, and, it's called, and supporting yeah, a, you and when flights happen and all the above and your courtesy in that manner is that Kyokushin camaraderie and brotherhood, sisterhood. That is just unbelievable, isn't it? You know, doesn't matter. Get your butt down here. Get, get your gear on. I'm in Melbourne. Um, I'm 20 minutes from the CBD. And when flights and shit, you know, clear up and you're happy to come to anyone, likewise, you know. And I know it's not just around the corner, brother. It's uh, quite a trek to come down under. But, you know, I know we're here and, and I appreciate your, your time and continue, mate. And I, when I heard from, when I saw uh, your message come through, I felt the other way, you know, I felt, oh, is this what it also feels like? You know, and yes, I've been invited on other shows, but I was also on a pretty busy level. But, um, you know, right now, right after this, I've got my podcast to do in the dojo. So keep up the great work, mate. Well done. And and never stop, you know, don't, don't, never stop meaning do what you're doing, continue to do what you're doing and reach out to me anytime to all your listeners. Yeah, exactly. If you ever want to connect with me guys in Australia, look up Drew Nomad 7 Instagram, Drew Michaels on Facebook, Drew Spirience Pod on Instagram. Those are my three babies. And uh, this episode will be on all platforms and whatnot. So once again, Sensei Patrick Pinto of Australia from down under, my Commonwealth cousin. Um, Thanks. Thanks again, man. Awesome. This was amazing. My pleasure, mate. Keep up the great work. And to everyone out there, stay safe, keep training hard, and the ultimate truth, try and find it. Well done, everyone. Us. Us.